You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. A good career, a steady income, a fixed address that you can come home to every night. Those things spell security, and we've been taught that security spells happiness. It can, but the truth is that security is just a story, a story that many people are afraid to challenge and to change. Today's guest is a woman who challenged the security story. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I believe, as you know, that readers are leaders. That's why I've chosen Audible as our sponsor. They're offering you, the listeners of this show, a downloadable, free audiobook of your choice. You get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. I love getting comments from the listeners, from you, the storytellers. Different opinions, different takeaways, different moments of inspiration. Keep those ideas coming and also your comments about what you'd like to see in this show going forward. Send them to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S. C-L-U-B at gmail.com. And if you're a regular listener, you're obviously getting some value from this show. Let other people know about that and increase the visibility of the show. Pay it forward by paying a visit to iTunes and leaving a brief review sharing your takeaways. And at the same time, give us a five-star rating. And thank you in advance for doing that. I said that today's guest challenged her security story. For 15 years, she was a marketing video consultant and producer for small businesses and non-profits. Then she sold or donated anything that didn't fit in her car, gave up her lease, and spent the next 18 months traveling solo across the U.S., Mexico, and Ecuador. At the same time, she built her professional network and marketing skills and began to create a permanent, slow-travel lifestyle. Today, she uses Mexico City as her home base, and she teaches people to travel full-time and create lucrative location-independent businesses. Get excited to learn how to live a rewarding, adventurous life from Kayla Philo. Kayla, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Well, thank you so very much for having me. I'm honored and very excited to be talking with you today. <laughs> yeah, and I get to experience a vacation without spending any money on travel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I just heard something in the background. What was that? So I am in a co-working space right now. This uh, leads right into um, some of the differences in living your life and making a living online versus being in one place. Um, I, I lost my internet this morning and I scrambled because I wanted to talk with you. And so I'm in a co-working space with, um, that was a phone in the background. <laughs> See, that's great, people. So um, everything is perfect. We or we embrace all of the things that we don't consider perfect, and they become perfect. That's exactly. <laughs> so let's start with when you were younger. Did you ever dream that you would live a nomadic lifestyle? Yes, I actually did. I realize now more than I knew at the time that I've always had the travel bug in me. I was the, I had three, um, two brothers in my family, and I was always the one who was ready to move. We moved quite a bit when I was growing up. My dad was an architect building his career, and 
that was the day and age when you had to move to do that, so we did. And I always liked moving. I liked seeing new places and meeting new people, and my favorite thing was always a road trip. So I think it's something, maybe I have a distant ancestor who was actually a nomad or a gypsy. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. What is your definition of the nomadic lifestyle? To me, it means that you don't, you might have a permanent address, but it's not, you spend more time away from it than you spend there. Now, you know, because some people leverage their home, maybe they've lived in for a few years and they rent that out or do Airbnb with that to allow them to travel. But for me, a nomadic lifestyle is you can work and support yourself from anywhere with the internet connection and you do so um, maybe more than eight months a year, seven or eight months a year. Do you own any uh, uh, property right now yourself? I don't right now. I'm actually thinking about that because, uh, again, Airbnb is a is a fabulous uh, alternative that I'd like to take advantage of being a person who could be a host for that. But I don't have any property right now, um, and I kind of like it that way <laughs> for the time being. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a certain freedom to it. Exactly. Now, what attracted you to your earlier career as a marketing consultant and producer? Well, it uh, was perfect for me because when I, my degree is in marketing, and but I've never had a really corporate outlook. Um, I, I think, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are in the corporate world, and I think that they're badass, but that wasn't something that resonated with me. And then when I had little kids, I wanted to have a flexible schedule so I could be around for them and also, you know, do my work as well. So I started doing uh, market or doing websites. I'm an internet grandma. I started doing websites back in the day, and um, that was a, and helped the small businesses with their marketing messages because that's what a website is. And then uh, as soon as video became an issue, something that you could do online, I got into that right away, and it's like a perfect fit for me because I'm right and left brain very, very strong on both sides. So it's technical and it's creative, and. So that really was the perfect uh, venue for me to pursue, and then I could do it flexibly, so I could be there for my family. Mm. When my <laughs> when my little kids got to be bigger kids and didn't need or want me around as much, <laughs> then um, I started to think about what would be next. I have two kids, and my daughter's twenty two, my son's twenty seven now, and I when she was getting ready to graduate, graduate from high school. I thought, boy, you know, I'm not going to necessarily have to be in one place anymore. I can perhaps plan a little bit and take off and, and try this nomad lifestyle. And that's one of the things with um, with my blog, La Vida with Wings, that I try to get across is it's never too uh, early to start, even if you are, you know, just dreaming about it. it. Because the changes that you make in your life to get ready will improve what's going on even when you're still in one place. But, mm. but that's how I was led. That's kind of a long way of answering. But that's how I was led to this was from having kind of a adventurous mindset anyway. I mean, I got into video doing on-location shoots, you know, just showing up, never having been there before, spending 90 minutes with a business owner and getting basically all I needed to do their marketing video in that time. I love what you're, what you're sharing with us. Uh, you, a couple of things stand out for me. You never had the corporate mindset, uh, neither have I, and uh, we're more entrepreneurial. Um, a friend of mine has written a book called Psychologically Unemployable. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, it's the person who just must work for themselves. And there was another thing that you just mentioned, which just blipped out of my head for a second but um oh it'll come back to me i know how that goes too <laughs> hold on it's just because yeah. it was really it's it's <laughs> i'll come back to it okay <laughs> you were talking about your kids oh anyway doesn't matter okay were there inner obstacles you had to overcome once you decided to do this, to make that dramatic change in your life? Yes, there were several. Um, so at about this same time, and this is the, you know, there's always different linings in every cloud, right? 
and about that time I was thinking about what I was going to do next, um, I was married at that time and we sat down and, and started having these conversations and I pretty quickly realized that we were not all talking about the same thing. So it did eventually lead to a divorce um, and and my, you know, my ex is a wonderful man, great dad, but we just had sort of run out of road together in a, like in a very real sense. So that was something we needed to get through <laughs> to get to the point where I could, um, you know, have the flexibility to uh, go on this adventure of downsizing drastically. And that's, and downsizing drastically just in and of itself is a very emotional process. I happen to be somebody who's very minimal like a minimalistic person. I don't like lots of stuff. I never really have. So for me, it was a little easier maybe than some people. But you have to make sure that, you, you know, your partner is on board with this dream. And, and if they're not, is there a way that, you know, they can be talked into trying it at least? You know, I'm a big fan of testing things out before you jump full on. And then secondly, part of that process is downsizing. Because unless you're wealthy, you can't take it with you. <laughs> Literally, if you're going to go on this digit on this nomadic kind of journey, then you either have to pay storage or impose on somebody with a garage that'll keep it for you, or get rid of what you're not using. And that is a lot easier said than done, especially in like in my case, I had been married for you know twenty five plus years, and we weren't big savers, but we still had you know a lot of stuff to to go through. So uh, the the modern um, this modern lifestyle that we have of having many things around us is probably the first stumbling block that you might get to um, other than, you know, a, a relationship that isn't quite aligned with you following this dream. So those are two biggies, to be honest. I love that you, you, you did mention that. Are you familiar with a book called Clutter Busting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what he talks about in there, it's fascinating is that when people decide to declutter their physical environment, what they don't realize is that they're going to have to declutter their emotional world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the emotional attachments to things, even things we don't use, are so powerful that people, when they have to let them go, begin to weep. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's not just, okay, I'll do it and that's it. So it uh-huh. took a tremendous amount of strength and determination on your part and courage to jump in and do it. Well, thank you for framing it that way. I appreciate that. And, and I have to say I agree, and I would say that to anyone else who was thinking about it. It is a brave thing because there is a lot of support for it. Um, I mean, there's more than there used to be, but you know, a lot of this, it's just like the first step of a whole lifestyle change that really goes against the grain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, it's interesting, um, it's fun to talk with you about this because I hadn't really connected the fact that an entrepreneurial mindset might be something that, you know, and someone who might help them with this process of living a little bit alternatively too, but I definitely think it does. And, and before I went on the road and um, kind of pivoted my per- my professional direction as well, I didn't really think of myself like as an entrepreneur, like I, I admired them, I saw them online, and now I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I am. <laughs> of course. As a matter of fact, the, the thing that I had forgotten before came back to me, and uh, when you were talking before and you mentioned that you've always kind of had that attitude, you, you would show up on uh, a, a shoot and, mm-hmm. you know, you'd never been there before, I heard the excitement and I was thinking about Tony Robbins and when he talks about, there were just so many, is about six or seven human needs. And one of them, for many people, is very strong. It's the need for uncertainty. Some people need certainty. They've got to have it, can't live without it. Others need uncertainty, which means they need that sense of adventure, of discovery. And if things don't change for them, it makes them crazy. Yeah, that I'm raising my hand here. <laughs> that would I, be me. <laughs> I know, I know. Exactly. And I'm like that too, you know. Uh-huh. We can we can look at it and say, oh, you know, this person just, you know, jumps from one. They, they must be ADD. Well, maybe, yeah, we can be diagnosed ADD. <laughs> That's the negative frame. But the positive frame is 
We crave adventure and change and variety. Variety is really important. It, yes, I mean, I'm sure that you're a very creative person, and I am, and that's what feeds us, you know, is is having, and even when my kids were little and I would create little, you know, we did a lot of field trips just locally just because I needed that stimulation. So now that, you know, I don't have anybody depending on me, now I thought, boy, I could create the biggest field trip I could think of, you know, mm-hmm. as long mm-hmm. as I can also create a way to sustain it. And mm-hmm. that's the tricky part. Yeah, that's that's the creative challenge. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Right. Mm-hmm. So you partially answer the next question. Did you get any resistance from people close to you? Well, obviously you got resistance from <laughs> your husband because his needs were different than yours. But did other people, you know, look at you like, what are you doing? What are you, crazy? <laughs> Yes, uh, most of uh, a big slice of, you know, my friends at that time lovingly, you know, looked at me that way. Um, initially, I think my family was just kind of in shock. My my kids understood, I think, right away. But my mom and my dad, who I'm still, I'm fortunate that they're still here with me on the planet. Um, they've both been really supportive, but I don't, you know, it's kind of like, why are you in Mexico? My dad's not crazy about that part. and <laughs> But... Um, you, you kind of find your tribe too when you when you embark on this, and that's been the really exciting piece. Is I didn't run into that much resistance from the people in my circle, but then you end up meeting a bunch of people who totally get it. Whereas before, you thought you maybe were a little crazy, and and you just had to go do this thing because you just knew you had to. But in the process of that, especially now with all the online resources and the, there's fantastic groups for you know women travelers and Facebook groups and you can definitely find your tribe and make connections. And it's fun because sometimes you can meet them in person when you're you know, in a location you find out they're in the same place. Mm. Mm-hmm. What, what was your biggest fear about giving up a traditional way of life? Um, that's a good question. I think the biggest fear was for me, so I'm, I'm not... Um, you know, wealthy and I don't get a trust fund and don't have an alimony. And so I don't have any source of income. And I don't say that like it's kind of TMI, but I say that to, to, for the context of the next statement, I think the biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to build a business that would sustain me if I didn't stay in one place. And I keep having to actually, I keep having to question that because that's like you mentioned in the intro, that is what we are taught. You have to be in an office and work for a company or else you're not safe. I mean, that's such a fundamental message that we send people, at least when I was growing up. Maybe it's getting a little more open now. But so I still, you know, I have to question that sometimes because sometimes I think, well, maybe I should just settle down and, you know, get an office and be in the same place every day. And I think, how would that make, you know, a difference? Would that just make me sort of feel like I was official? And then I think, no, that's not, I don't have to do that because I'm building a business. My big goal is and was to build a, a location independent um, company. And that's what I'm doing through a couple of different brands. And it's very exciting. But our quote system isn't tuned to really support that in some ways. So uh, there's a lot of details I don't have to get into, you're kind of boring. But when you're working outside of the country, you know, there's tax implications and then the banks don't really like it if they think you don't live in the U.S., you know, U.S. banks. And so and get, just getting a U.S. phone number that you don't have to pay $50 a month for, you know, just like to use is a challenge in itself. So it's it's getting there, I think, as more people do start working in other parts of the world online. But the system isn't set up to support it. And then I think, well, you know, if it was easy, a bunch more people would be doing it. So. Well, you know, I think that there's a bigger tribe that's doing it than you may even realize. Um, when you said before, you know, uh, that uh, the way that's enc- what's encouraged is to get the uh, the job and the office and stay in one place. And actually, today, uh, there's a book called Risky is the New Safe. Do you know it? Oh, no, but I'm definitely going to pick that up. I like that. Risky is the New Safe, and it's by Randy Gage, and he mm-hmm. is 
uh, one of the world's leading network marketers, but the book is not a network marketing book. He's a brilliant visionary, and it's about how the world and the meaning of life has shifted dramatically and will only continue to go in the direction, by the way, that you are going. That people who hang on to the story that it's the sane and mature thing to hang in with one steady career, they're in for a rude awakening because mm-hmm. that, that, that's not sustainable anymore. And within the next 10 years, it's going to become a joke. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh yes. Mm-hmm. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, you, I don't know. I like to read, obviously. There, yeah. There's another book, you may know it, called Bold. If you don't, you'll love this one. Mm-hmm. How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World. Love that. And all you need to put in in your search on Amazon is Bold. And it's by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler. It will come up. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I'm, oh, this is, I'm getting my reading list <laughs> from you today. I love, love books like that. And sometimes, you know, that's just, as you can imagine, maybe you feel the same way. It, you know, if you have an off day and you pick up something like that, and you just go, okay. And I, I know I'm not crazy. Look at this person putting a whole book about how I feel, you know? Well, yeah. And the, the more that I move in that direction, the more I realize when you say pick it up every day, we should make it a habit that we begin the morning with that kind of input into our brains and that mm-hmm. we end the day with that kind of input. Mm-hmm. Is that part of your morning ritual? I've, I've got to be totally transparent. Uh, I resist discipline tremendously. <laughs> so I, it, I've worked it in, but do I do it strictly? No, I do. I, I break the pattern, but I'm aware. I've gotten, I've become mindful enough to know. I'll say, okay, evening is here and you're choosing not to do that. You know, so at least yes. I'm on, on, I'm on top of it. And, uh, well, while we're on books, I mean, <laughs> if you really want to get going with that, read The Miracle Morning, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Mm-hmm. That's the one that actually talks about setting up the ritual yes that's a you know as you can imagine um and again you probably do this as well i follow lots of entrepreneurs online and a lot of leading coaches and and that is one thing that i learned from um i can't remember his name it'll come to me i'm having you're contagious i think (laughs) (laughs) um uh Anyway, he used to be the editor of Success Magazine. Uh, it, he has oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. D- Darren Hardy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he has a whole productivity uh, program, as you can, and it's one of the first things that I found when I went on the road because I did know, okay, I've been working for myself, kind of flex time, and now I don't have really any, you know, have, I don't have any um, external things forcing my schedule at this point. I'm going to need to impose some order, and I want to be really productive because I have that right brain side that likes that, or, and left brain. So um, I ran across his information, and he talks about your morning routine and how important it is. And it was really good advice. I, I connect a lot through journaling. So I journal in the mornings, and then um, I used to try to read something, and this is a good conversation because you're bringing it back to me that that is something that I probably should be adding in to kind of lift me through the day. Well, this is fun because now we're on a roll. Um... The book you should get right away is The Daily Stoic, and it's by Ryan Holiday, and um, he co-wrote it with someone. I'm blanking on the other person's name. Wow. But the reason you'll love it is that it's a no-brainer. It's uh, Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. Mm Mm-hmm. There are two books. Uh, one is the Daily Stoic, and the other one, if you wish to get it, is the Daily Stoic Journal, where you get to do a morning and evening input based on the reading. And the reading is literally, like it'll say October 11th, and it's two or three paragraphs. That's all. 
taken from Stoicism, from the philosophy of Stoicism, and it's that's your thought for the day. Oh, okay. It's fantastic. Really, really yeah, nice. yeah, that sounds like a really great tool. Mm-hmm. And there's another one I recently read. Um, it's kind of outside of my wheelhouse, but maybe that's why I liked it. It's, uh, I think it's not good to great, but you're much better at remembering titles. This one, though, was written by uh, the trainer for Michael Jordan. And hmm. it's uh, about the mindset of people at that level of elite, you know, achievement, basically. And he translates it to anybody. Like, you don't have to be Michael Jordan in athletics or in basketball, but it's it's a mindset of, you know, what it takes to be that. And, and I don't think that I'm there <laughs> by any means, but it's definitely, you know, inspirational to observe how those people, you know, just react and operate and their discipline. And, and that is a lot what it boils down to for them is just, like, really hard work. Actually, there are several books by ex-Navy SEALs that address that. Mm-hmm. One, one of them is uh, Jocko Wilkins, because he, I think it's called Extreme Ownership. Yes, right. But I have something I think you're absolutely going to love. Um, you were talking about following thought leaders who help you with your inspire your move toward productivity. Are you familiar with Dan Sullivan? No. Mm-mm. Okay. He runs a company called Strategic Coach. The head office is here in Toronto, but it's all over the world. Mm-hmm. He only works with elite, uh, with very, very successful entrepreneurs, but he has several podcasts. The one you want to start listening to is 10X Talk. Okay. He's done a series of them on unique ability. I think that one begins around episode 135. Mm -hmm. And one that you're absolutely going to love in that series is a whole episode on self-comparison and how deadly it is. We fall unconsciously into comparing ourselves with other people and that is a trap mm-hmm. and he really really addresses that and you're going to love it he's a guy who thinks completely outside of the box and it's all about stepping into that place where you just allow yourself to you know um be great right and it's the more you get to know yourself the you know the self knowledge piece is so very important in that uh, because in, if you don't know who you are, how can you be that? <laughs> and it's kind of like peeling back, you know, layers of an onion. And it, you know, it can be uncomfortable. Be, and this is one thing that, uh, you know, downsizing sort of is a, a literal representation of what's going on in your in your heart and your mind. Is you're creating space, and in general, sometimes it feels uncomfortable to hold to just let that space be empty because we want to fill it up. You know, oh, there's an empty corner. We need to buy a chair or there's got to be stuff on the walls, or there's an empty hole in my heart and nothing has shown up. You know, what am I going to, you know, if I don't, if I don't have that, who am I? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's these kind of resources um, that you're mentioning will help you fill those things up with new thoughts, new, new scripts for your brain. Um, And that's, I think, one thing I love about being able to talk about slow travel and travel and being a nomad is, you know, I may not do this forever, but it is a great vehicle to talk about this internal journey that we all are called to take. And when we don't take it, that's when we start to feel sick. We start to get sick. We get unhappy. Um, things don't go very well. And I, I personally, my opinion, you can't avoid the call. <laughs> it's going to come at some point in your life. So the more you have cleared space and your brain and your heart and your house, that the easier things will flow and show up. It's when you've got lots of clutter, either internally or externally, that your energy gets stuck and it can't find its way around. And then you go, what's wrong with me? And I believe that that's part of, you know, the, the midlife crisis dynamic. And we're taught, oh, it's such a terrible thing to have a midlife crisis. We're taught to be ashamed of that when actually we, we should be celebrating it because it is a crisis because something in you is not getting fed. And you, yeah, you know, you made me think while you were saying all of this about 
a line from Bob Dylan, he not busy being born is busy dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned slow travel. What is slow travel? Well, my definition of slow travel is staying more than a month in every place if possible. It's not, again, it's different from, you know, Americans often only have, you know, two to three weeks of vacation a year, and half of us don't even take that. So our I have a, a German pen pal I had for many, many years, and the first time I went to see her, she said, why, why didn't you come sooner? And I said, well, this is the first time I had any time, you know, more than just two weeks. And she said, oh, yeah, you Americans are so crazy, just have two-week vacations. You know, in Europe, they have a month off usually. Um, <laughs> so... Slow travel is a, a way of um, being able to not just skip along the skim of the surface and see all the touristy sites and come home more tired than you were when you left. Now, there's nothing wrong with two-week vacations. You know, I, if that's what you have, it's way better than not taking one at all. But um, if you stay in one place for a little while, especially now with Airbnb, because you can connect only directly with the local person if you stay with the Airbnb person in their um, home or in a hosted house and then you also can learn you know the local coffee shops and if you're curious about the local real estate market you have time to have a meeting with um, a realtor you have time to do a little bit of looking around that we just don't have when you're on a two-week vacation and you have to go back home right mm -hmm. away so um, and so that to me is what slow travel is it's also participating as much as you can while you're there in the local environment, um, you know, we always source the farmers markets. We always look for the locally owned coffee shops. I have nothing against the big green chain coffee shop that we all know of, but I do like to also, um, you know, go to the local coffee shops. Uh, local chefs, in fact, here in La Paz, where we are right now, it's our second time to be here in the last couple of years, and we have met a, a woman from Italy, and she's lived here for many years, and she's a chef, and so you know, we've met with her at her house and you just can make those connections that you don't really have time to make when you are just in and out of an area as a tourist all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, ah, we have a guest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's in the hallway there. That's okay. So where, where have you chosen to travel and why those places? Well, <laughs> I always knew I wanted to um, I had books on moving to Mexico when my kids were little. So I always knew I wanted to live here at some point. And I have taken Spanish off and on my whole life. And this was part of my frustration a few years ago as I had like reached a point when I couldn't improve any more of my Spanish without being in a Spanish-speaking country. So, um, so, so obviously Mexico was a draw. But then this other, I met a man from Mexico, but I met him in California. Um, in Northern California, he was an actor in a small black box theater group in a town in Santa Rosa, where I lived at the town at the time. And he didn't speak much English, and my Spanish was pretty rusty, but that was a great attraction for both of us. <laughs> and so we started to, um, you know, get together and we started to date. And then, and that was right about the time though I was getting ready to go on my, you know. I started out in Montana on my first leg of my nomad journey. And so I thought, well, great. I just met somebody from Mexico, but I'm getting ready to leave town. How does this make sense universe? So um, I went ahead and, and took my trips, of course. And then I decided as we went along, I set up some house sitting uh, with some, I house sat for some friends that I had in Santa Rosa a couple times. So I would go take my trips and I would come back and I'd house sit. And that's when I would see Sergio. And so through that, we sort of figured out, is this something we can, you know, do we want to be together at this level? I was not looking for a relationship at all when I met him, which is maybe why, you know, sometimes when you're not looking for something, it pops up, right? Um, so it took me, you know, a little while to figure out, okay, yeah, I'm ready to make this leap again. And, and he is from Mexico City, which is a place I'd always wanted to visit. So I said, okay, I'm going to go live in Mexico City. I would love it if you would come with me. Um, <laughs> Obviously, that would, you know, make my trip more enriched. I said, but you don't have to because you have a life here in Santa Rosa and uh, there's no rush, you know, but I, 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 number one, I was starting business. I couldn't afford to live in Northern California, which is, I love it there, but it was, it's not the place to start a startup. 
uh, Mexico City. One reason I live there is it's much less expensive, but I can still have a big life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so um, he he came down, and kind of the rest is history from there. Um, we've he is open and and very helpful with this kind of nomadic lifestyle, and um, and he doesn't have any you know kids. He's like all his his kids are grown as well, so it works out pretty well that way. Beautiful. You, yeah. When did you meet? When did the... I met him about four years ago. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was taking, you know, I, I uh, had to spend some, well, my daughter was graduating from high school and I was downsizing and had finished going through the divorce. And so, you know, it took a while to get through all of that stuff that was happening. And that's when we met and, you know, we started out as friends, but I quickly learned, it, you know, in his Latin brain, this isn't a friendship, you know. <laughs> so he, he was very, I got to tell, he knows how to lean in. I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, did you make any big mistakes at any time in your traveling adventure? Um, yes. I mean, nothing huge, I don't think, but just... Uh, kind of like newbie errors, like, you know, somebody, I felt afterward, I felt so naive. Like one time when I was in Ecuador, um, I was at the bus station and the taxi picked me up and then he picked somebody else up. Um, like they're not supposed to do that, but he picked somebody else up at, after he had picked me up, but it was away from the taxi station and it was, it was like 1030 at night and I was looking for my Airbnb and I was having trouble finding it and, he wasn't like a super helpful taxi guy. And then when he picked up the second guy, I felt really uncomfortable. I thought, okay, this is not it. And I said, stop, I'm getting out. So I just got out and luckily there was a, a bakery kind of that was still open over on the corner and they helped me call the Airbnb. But that was, um, you know, one of those times when I, I thought, you know, I probably should have gotten out when the other guy got in, you know what I mean? Cause what I did was the other guy got in, I was kind of shocked. And we start to drive off, and then that's when I said, "Oh wait, stop! Stop the car! I'm getting out." So, well, well, actually, you didn't make a mistake. You made a good choice. Well, I mean, I did. I should have hopped out though before, like he even, or I should have said something like, "You can't pick somebody else up." But I guess is what I'm saying is, I allowed myself to, you know, I was in the car for a few minutes after he, the other guy, got in, and it made me uncomfortable. And and I thought, oh, so you're right. At that point, I did say, "Wait, stop! I'm getting out." But mm. my my travel instincts were not as sharp then as they are now. And my Spanish wasn't as good either. To be honest, right now, I would have told him off, you know, in Spanish and gotten out of the car or said, no, you can't pick this guy up. Mm. Um, you know, so it, it's just, they, you know, in the U.S., and I say this with love, we're very sheltered, most of us, um, unless you grow up in a challenging background. And I'm would imagine perhaps the same in Canada, but you know, the first world lifestyle, we're pretty sheltered. And so I think sometimes our instincts are a little blunted from that. I know mine were, but they're much sharper now. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, uh, whether we realize it or not, we've been conditioned to believe that the world is a shopping mall. <laughs> exactly. And shopping malls are pleasant. They're nice. <laughs> Exactly. That's a good way to put it. In fact, you know, the only time you panic is when you don't hear the elevator music. <laughs> exactly. And it's another reason I'm passionate about people, helping people if they want to know more about slow travel or do it, or it, you know, get them out there doing it because you learn so much about the world that you didn't, I mean, you may have thought of before, but until you see it and experience it, um, you don't realize what a huge place the world is, how many different kinds of people there are, and really how many people are, you know, fighting a valiant fight every single day just to survive. Yes. So let's say there are people listening and they're going, oh, my God, how did she do it? I dream about this. As a matter of fact, I can't stand my job. You know, um, the only uh, relief I get from my job is overeating and watching bad TV. So if they're thinking about full-time travel, what should be the first thing they consider? So the first thing is uh, to downsize, to start 
downsizing. And I know that's probably not the funnest thing to start with. So, well, maybe back up. So I would say the first thing is decide where do you want to start? Because some of us have places that have called to us since we were before we could talk. And if you know, and if you if you if there's a place in you that's been calling to you, and you've been putting it off a little bit, um, you should just start with that. It's Paris or it's the you know the islands, wherever it is. Start with that because once you open the door to this process, that place isn't going to shut up and go away. It's going to get you more excited, and the call is going to be even stronger. So maybe just say, okay, I want to start in X place. So then you know you have a destination. Then you start downsizing somewhat. You start getting rid of the extra things um, that you don't want. You stop buying things that you don't need. You, perhaps you consider not spending money on those things that are trying to make you feel better, right? Like things you just mentioned, um, or even you know the the placeholders. I call them placeholders that are just band aids for you know you're trying to get at what you really want. Uh, and then you start to talk with your partner, talk, you know, if you have kids, you definitely want to start early having conversations around it and, you know, seeing where everybody's at with that and coming to those conversations with excitement. And this is where some of the things that we talked about earlier could be helpful. You may have to gird yourself for those conversations because your family may not be super excited at the beginning, especially kids, if they feel like, you know, initially, yeah, that'd be awesome to live in Mexico. But then when they start to realize the reality of it, that they're going to have to maybe give up a few things or it's going to mean some inconveniences, you're going to get a lot of pushback. <laughs> mm. So if you spend time with these you know, inspirational authors, not, and travel writing can be a great inspiration too, but you know, the mindset around it. Um, so all those things to uh, then I would say this, this, the last piece is start to look for ways, unless you are wealthy and won't have to make any money traveling, uh, the last piece is start to look for ways to create a part-time or side business that you don't have to be physically present to make money. And today that's more available to people than ever because of the Internet. Right. You know, online businesses, um, also passive income. You know, we should, what I've, I can't believe still to this day I never did this. You know, I, I never had a rental, and I should have done that when you know we, when I was married and we had the ability to maybe it would have been hard work and inconvenient, but it it would have been so smart because and I just never made that you know well, well who's the author um, Rich Dad Poor Dad you know he Robert such, Robert Kiyosaki <laughs> yeah he's like the guru of that stuff. I'm like why didn't I run across his book when I was 25? Maybe he didn't write it then. I don't know. <laughs> But getting out of, yeah, and you, you've alluded to this, like starting to get our head above the water of the wash of, oh, you have to spend money on this, you have to do this. No, you need like a bigger vision so that you know, okay, this is why I'm working towards this goal in between. Goal setting is really important. And I think of people are honest, a lot of people are not setting goals. And if you want to make a big change in your life, it's not going to happen at least not in a very nice way if you don't set some goals around it. Maybe uh, a way to motivate people to do that is to even take the word goal out of it and say, start setting a vision of some of your dreams. Mm -hmm. Because goal sounds like it's so work-oriented as opposed to what do you want to aim for that's going to liberate you and make you feel happy? Right. You know, you were talking mm -hmm. about getting out of the mindset of I have to, I have to. I'm actually going to do a short podcast on the word must. And mm -hmm. I'm going to call it the tyranny of must. And how when we use it a lot in our self-talk, it makes us feel like slaves. It just beats us down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. The other, the cousin of that is, you know, stop shooting ourselves. Yeah, know. yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's the same. It's it's a variety. It's it's the cousin to must. Mm -hmm. I should do this. I should. Oh, please. Right. I know. It's uh, these are all stories. That's why I love doing this podcast because it's about exploding and rewriting these stories. You know. Right, and nobody's going to do that for you. You know, and it's like that. So those two words, must and should. 
you know, a little exercise for that is just keep track of how many times are you saying that in yep. a day. Yep, absolutely. Can yeah. You should write mm-hmm. it. Should, you should write it down. <laughs> <laughs> you must write that down. You yeah. must. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be helpful if. <laughs> It's, it's it's a recommendation, <laughs> just a suggestion, right? I, I but yeah, I know, but I know what you're saying um, because that is those those phrases are the way we keep ourselves in our box. Mm. And if you want to get out of your box, you're going to have to hold some space for emptiness um, and for other new things to come in in their own time. And that was the other, you know. Kind of maybe I alluded to this before, but um, as you create this space in your life, it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, and just try to sit with that and tell yourself, "Okay, I'm not dying. It'll be okay." Um, and I know that what you know the next step is showing up at this moment. And I've gone from that phase to knowing that with certainty that where I want to be is already out there created. I just mm-hmm. have to figure out how I get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you a desire to explore other, more challenging places to live, perhaps where you don't know the language? Yes, funny you should say that. I do want to go to Thailand um, for for sure, and India has been, you know, on my list for many, many years. But for me, I've always felt like that's almost like a pilgrimage, and I need to prepare for that. So I'm, I don't, I don't have clarity about when that's going to happen. But I'm thinking Thailand this year, actually. You just um, triggered the memory of another book, which <laughs> uh, is an incredible book. It's a it's a novel, but it's a true story because the guy who wrote it basically put into novel form his larger than life adventure in India. It's called Shantaram. Mm-hmm. It's one one word. Uh, it's hard to put down. It's it's quite amazing. Shantaram. Yes, Shantaram. I'll have to definitely pick that up because, uh, well, I think that that's what you know India can do to us, and I think maybe that's why I've been I'm still dancing with the idea, but not jumping into it yet because I there's something I need to be doing before I get there. I have this strong sense of that. So, and I think what it is right now is what I'm doing right now is you know, building a sustainable base. Um, and then practically speaking, I'm very open to living almost anywhere, but it right now I have to have decent internet access or I can't build my business. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my other brand is I work with um, female coaches and consultants and women who are the face of their business and teaching them how to create and leverage smartphone videos for their business. Now that video is the number one format online so that is an example way I'm translating what I used to do in person to an online business. But obviously to do that, I have to have decent internet access. And so some of those really more adventurous locations may be on hold, uh, at least until, you know, I, I figure out how to, um, sustain myself for a couple months if I'm off the grid. <laughs> well, the grid the grid is going to expand, and that's one of the things that you'll get from uh, Peter Diamandis' book, Bold. It's mm-hmm. going to expand to the point where, uh, you know, a Maasai warrior in Africa will have access to the Internet instantly on a cell phone, which will be very affordable to every single mm-hmm. person on the planet. Now, do you ever long for a more permanent lifestyle? Mm, I honestly, I don't. I I think I probably will at some point, but I I don't right now. Well, why, uh, why why do you say you think you probably will? Because I think as our physical bodies um, progress, you know, I do want. So this is another tip that we have. Like you were asking about tips for going the travel transitioning to slow travel. Another one is, you know, get in the best shape that you can right now because traveling is a contact sport and uh, especially you know, flying these days. And so um, you carry your own bags. Often you're lugging, you know, got phones of water. So you want to be in the best physical shape that you can be. And that only helps you as you move through midlife because most of my target audience is midlife people. So, um, 
but I do see that you know our bodies need a lot of TLC, especially as we get older. And maybe there will be a point when I won't physically have the energy to be bopping around as much as I do right now. I don't really know the answer to that question because there's some women in these nomad groups who are in their 60s, 70s who are, you know, living a few months everywhere at different places. Um, so maybe what the, the compromise is going to be is a place that I own that, you know, we rent out, do Airbnb for six months and while we travel and then come back. Then that, and that's the other part of the question is, my partner is very sweet. He's super supportive, but I know, you know, in his heart, he never, he didn't have a super enriched upbringing. He grew up in Mexico City, but it wasn't the super nice part of Mexico City, um, which is part of what I've loved about being with him and seeing it through his eyes. I've been able to visit places in Mexico City that I would never go by myself. Um, and not that it's like super extra dangerous. It's just that, you know, why would I be there? There's, um, it's not like there wouldn't be a reason for me to walk around that neighborhood as a gringo by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I've been able to go to Mercados and I've been able to go places with him. And he, um, I think he would love a home, home, home. <laughs> so maybe we'll work out a compromise, you know, where we're six months in our, in one place and then we're traveling for six months. But once again, I have to, you know, continue to work on the practical business piece that supports that. Hmm. Where do you see yourself in five years then? Yeah, in five years, I see, I don't know exactly. Um, I would think either, let's see, see, I don't know. See, that's a good question. It shows you my mindset is I, I've never had a good answer to that question. In job interviews out of college, it was like, that was, they'd ask me that question. I'd be like, I have no idea, but you could never say that. <laughs> So I don't really know where I'll be in five years. I can imagine, though, what is percolating for me is, and I didn't know this before, I'm more of a mountain-type person than I am a beach person. I like the beach, but I think for long-term reasons, and um, I prefer mountainous areas. I love Montana, and um, San Miguel de Allende is north of Mexico City, and central Mexico is beautiful. So I think, you know, I would love to have, like, um, I'll never buy real estate again if I can't leverage it in some way. So I would like to have a condo in you know, Whistler or I'd love to experience Canada and uh, also a place in San Miguel de Allende or someplace touristy in central Mexico where we can you know, rent that out or Airbnb it when we're not there, but then have part of it that is our home base mm -hmm. and, and experiment with that. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't crave having huge homes or anything like that. It, one of my goals was to be able to um, be able to afford a huge house, but not buy it. <laughs> so that's the you know, thing I'm working towards is having that level of spending, you know, earning power income, but being, being able to make choices around it that are, you know, just continue to um, not increase my stuff footprint, but increase my impact and my influence. And cause I've got a lot of things that I would like to be working on um, that are centered around female entrepreneurs. It sounds exciting. By the oh, way, in you. your travels in Mexico, did you ever uh, did you ever find or go to a restaurant near? Uh, not near, but it's, uh, the name of it is Four, the number Four. No, no, we haven't. Hmm. I I don't know if it's still there. It's been sold, but it was a friend of mine a very adventurous woman from Toronto who was a casting director in the film business who moved there and uh, lived there for a long time. Now she's back in Canada and uh, she's taken, I think, the chef from that restaurant with her here and they do a catering business. But it was a really, apparently a really exciting restaurant. Was that in Mexico City? No, no, it was, oh. it may have been near... Ajahik or uh, San Miguel Donyende. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was just in San Miguel. Now I'm wondering. Hmm, I'll have to check that out and see because now that's ringing a bell. Just the number. Yeah. Just the number four. Mm -hmm. But I, but I don't think she. I don't think she owns it anymore. Uh, uh -huh. Well, I know she's not there. I mean, she's here. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your favorite book? 
Uh, I, so I can never pick just one <laughs> um, ever. I mean, people ask me that sometimes. But one of my favorites is there's a translation of the poetry of Hafiz, and then his name is Ladinsky, Daniel Ladinsky. And I, Hafiz is a kindred spirit to me, and I don't want to presume, but I'm thinking you as well, you know, people with a more restless entrepreneurial way of looking at life, but with lots of joy. And so that's one of my favorites. Well, how do you spell that? H-A-F-I-Z. Oh, H-A-F-I-Z. Okay. Yeah. And the author is Daniel Ladinsky. Okay. And I can email that to you as well. No, because I'll find it on, I'll find it immediately on Amazon, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of different translations. So Hafiz was a Persian poet. Uh, and there's different translations of his work, but I find Ladinsky's to be the most powerful. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And and I like to, I mean, I read a lot of business books, um, but I, I always like to have something that I'm reading outside of kind of my track, you know, I like to, because it expands your mind a little bit. One's the other reason I picked up that other book on, um, from Michael Jordan's trainer, you know, about the competitive mindset. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what about a favorite quote? Um, go forth and conquer. Yes. And my least favorite quote is bloom where you're planted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so those who, two things go together. <laughs> and who, who said go forth and conquer? I don't know. Um, I think it's from Shakespeare, but I... I I'm sorry. I should probably look no, it up. It's I just okay. know it's, it's always been something that that uh, resided, you know, resonated with me. Hmm, that's a good question. Who said it? And, and you said that your least favorite was which one? Bloom where you are planted. Yeah, bloom where you are planted. Yes. Well, certainly, our friend Google will help us with this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of, uh, I think, you know, popular. Like before there were memes, there were these popular sayings, and I think that that's just, it's kind of what they are. Um, and the bloom where you were planted is, I you know, I laugh about that, and there is value to sticking with things and seeing if they will work. And I did that for many years in different places and different relationships. But after a point, you know, that's why we have two legs. We don't, we're not rooted to the ground like a tree. We can get up and walk and go from point A to B and take that journey, you know, see where that takes you because everything you're doing outside, you're being pulled to from the inside. Mm, I like it's, that. There's, yeah, there's no separation between the two. How can people follow your adventures? <laughs> well, uh, the, we have a blog and website called La Vida, like L-A-V-I-D-A. La Vida is Spanish, of course, for life. La Vida with Wings dot com. And we send out a Sunday story of one of my my personas is a writer, and I love to write, and I'm pretty good. So we send a Sunday story every Sunday, so if people are interested in, in following. And these are from a slow travel kind of mindset. It's not, you know, the top ten places reviewed that a thousand other blogs have reviewed. It's about the people that we've met and some of the local conditions. And I try to tie things together in a really interesting way and tell a story around it. Mm. So, yeah, people, I'd love to have folks sign up to to receive our emails, uh, our newsletter, and then, you know, if they're uh, more related also to this idea of building an online business before you even, you know, leave your day job, this is a mistake that I made before I left. I should have started much earlier working on the side on my online business than I did. So it's a longer, slower build for most people than, than you would think. And um, there's a lot of, mm, a lot of people courses and things out there that will lead you to believe, oh, you can just pop up a course, or just pop up a website, and, you know, you're, it actually takes a while to build a list. So uh, part of that is if you're thinking about, you know, creating an online business around your passion or your expertise, then you want to get started on that. Start blogging, and my bias is video, and I believe that this is, and I'm encouraging my clients right now who I work with on video, if, uh, if they can, if all possible, start reorienting their marketing towards video. And so, but what you, what you want to do is whatever that passion or that talent is that you want to start to bring out to the world, figure out what your unique angle is, who do you want to talk to about it, who you're going to help, 
and start doing it even before you adopt a nomadic lifestyle because that's going to un, un um, detach, detach your income stream from a physical place and that's what you're going to need to help you. So if you're interested in that piece of, you know, kind of video marketing online with video, then um, my other website is fabvideosfinallydone.com and there's lots of good information there about the process of marketing your small, if you're the face of your business, marketing it with smartphone videos. Fab video finally done? Yes, it's too long, I know, but <laughs> it's fabvideosfinallydone.com. Okay. Wonderful. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today? Uh, I would say sit down and whatever, and I think everybody has a place that's tugging at them. Sit down and and with yourself and figure out what is that place and figure out some way to get there within the next 12 months. Or even maybe sit down when it comes to you, start making it more real by getting vivid books about it, pictures, mm -hmm. articles, start making it live inside of you, and then it might generate the motivation to actually physically go there. Absolutely. Well, and that's the that's the thing. There's no, it doesn't hurt anything. You know, nothing's going to crumble and go away in front of your eyes if you just, like, say, oh, what if I were to pick this date, and by that date I have taken this trip? What would that look like? How would that feel? And then doing exactly what you're talking about to inspire and bring and bring it to life, you know, and vision boards are big right now. Create a vision board around it and um, and I'm not saying, you know, within 12 months be on this new lifestyle of slow travel. I'm just saying go to that place that's been tugging at you because there are answers waiting for you there. And it may be you adopt a, you know, a nomadic lifestyle or it may not be that at all. It may be another direction. But I believe that's why we're being pulled to different physical locations because you go open and just kind of paying attention to what's going on around you. And things come up for you. I, it happens all the time for me. Thank you so much. This has uh, really been fun. I mean, and right now, I mean, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to go eat a couple of enchiladas and <laughs> and, and maybe have a few shots of uh, gusano rojo. <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful. I wish you were here. We could do that together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You really uh, contributed a lot today. Oh, well, I appreciate that, and, and I, I very much appreciate the opportunity. It's super fun to talk with you, too. Thank you so much. Continue to enjoy your adventure. <laughs> you too. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. And thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Kayla Philo. I'm going to assume that you had as much fun as I did. I always find it so refreshing when I'm talking to someone who is really a free spirit. You can hear it. The energy is in the voice. The joy of living is, is communicated in every single word that the, that that person says. And that's certainly the case with Kayla. And man, did we talk about a lot of books today. We gave you a virtual library of life-changing books. First of all, pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website, changeyourstorypodcast.com. And of course, at that website, there's a free gift waiting for all of you who visit, a downloadable free ebook that I created called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. I created it with you in mind. It's easy to read. It's engaging and it will quickly enhance your communication in life and in business. Getting back to the power of books take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible. Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Choose any book of your choice. That's an audiobook download that you get to keep 
absolutely free, choosing from more than 180,000 titles, and get one month free trial of all of Audible's service. Kayla, of course, was talking about travel, slow travel, she calls it, living the nomadic lifestyle. At the core of everything she said, she was talking about having the courage to allow yourself to dream, get in touch with your dreams. We all have them, whether we feel them or allow them to come to the surface or not. Getting in touch with those dreams and then allowing them to live in the world. Because, as she said, you really can't deny the call to that inner journey of yours. It may become an outer journey, but you cannot deny the call of the inner journey. So during the next week, think about, are there areas of your life that feel stifled, that feel stuck, where you you just know you'd be much happier if you were doing something else. Allow yourself to look at that, even if you're afraid of it, because the moment you look at it and face it, the fear will disappear. And then ask yourself what you want to do instead of that. Bring your dreams to the surface nurture them, and begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.